This is Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics, the law, a lot of things in between. I'm Jessica Levinson, a professor at Loyola Law School, and I'm joined today by the show's co-host, Joe Armstrong. We are going to be spending a little time talking about a topic that affects the media, focusing a little bit on the First Amendment, a member of Congress who maybe has a bit of a thin skin, is no stranger to filing defamation suits. I'm trying to tease this a little bit. Joe, how did I do? You did very well. Teasing is good. It is the Halloween season. We tease, we trick, we treat, we do all of those fun things. Yes, today we are going to discuss California Congressman Devin Nunez of the 22nd District and a defamation lawsuit. Now, that 22nd District, that's in California's central San Joaquin Valley. It encompasses towns like Visalia, Tulare, the areas surrounding Fresno, and some of the foothills of my beloved Sierra Nevada mountains. Jessica, on a personal level, this is the area I drive through when I'm on my way up to Yosemite National. Park. The backstory is this. Nunez sued a journalist named Ryan Lizza for a piece published in Esquire magazine in 2018. It was entitled, Devin Nunez's Family Farm is Hiding a Politically Explosive Secret. So it's got all the things that a good headline should have, titillating just a little bit. The article discusses members of Nunez's family and their decision to move their family farm to Iowa and suggests that they employ undocumented workers. Now, Nunez, unsurprisingly, was not pleased by this, and he sued Lizza in 2019. Now, fast forward just a little bit, Lizza now works for Politico and Hearst Magazine. So, Jessica, can you please give us a little background on this lawsuit? Well, that was some great background on the lawsuit. And I know what we're going to focus on is what the courts have done in this case and why I think they, at least one court, has made a decision that's not just incorrect, but is going to have really problematic, practical consequences for reporters and maybe, Joe, for people like you and me and for our listeners. So defamation suits essentially... The law of defamation varies a little bit state by state, but they all basically defamation claims have very similar elements. You have to show that the defendants made a false statement of fact about the plaintiff, that the statement caused the plaintiff harm. And in this case, because Nunez, as the plaintiff, is a public figure, that the defendants made the statement with actual malice, meaning that they knew the statement was false or recklessly disregarded its falsity. So that's what's required really of Nunez to succeed on one of these claims of defamation. I say one of these claims because we alluded to this before, but Nunez has sued other outlets, other organizations, for instance, including Twitter for defamation. My memory is that None of these suits have been successful thus far. All right. So when this particular case made it in front of a judge, how did that judge rule? So the trial court judge here, who was nominated by former President Trump, tossed the suit out and tossed it out with prejudice, meaning that Nunez does not get to refile. This is what a court does when they think that there are no new facts, there are no new theories that could possibly allow you to win. With prejudice means don't come back here, don't try this lawsuit again. And if you read the judge's decision dismissing Nunez's defamation claim, it really reads like a bit of a judicial slaughter. I mean, he just says, he goes through point by point, and he says no to this allegation of defamation, no to this allegation that these statements could be defamatory. And it looked like for a while that maybe that was the end of the suit. 
But that's not the end of our particular story today, obviously, Jessica. So what happened next? Well, Representative Nunez decided to appeal the decision. He appealed to the Eighth Circuit. And what happened is a three-judge panel actually brought the case back from the dead. The judges who were all appointed by Republican presidents concluded that when Lizza tweeted this 2018 article after he had been sued for defamation. So he wrote the article, he was sued for defamation, and then a few months later, he tweeted the article again because it was newsy again, that that tweet could be considered republication, basically making the statement again, and could potentially give rise to a claim of defamation. Okay, so then what's different about this particular case? Right. What's different about this case, meaning like how can a trial court say this doesn't give rise to a claim for defamation? And then the Eighth Circuit said maybe this will give rise to a claim of defamation. And the answer is partly what we just talked about, Joe, which is that the Eighth Circuit here said when the reporter tweeted the hyperlink after the defamation suit, that a couple of things happen. One, that tweeting a hyperlink can be republication. That's not what other courts have said. So let's just be clear that that is an outlier decision. The other thing that the court said here is that because Lizza was basically on notice that Nunez thought that there was a problem, and in fact, not just a problem, but that the article was defamatory, that Lizza then could have formed the proper intent, meaning he could have actually formed the actual malice um, when he republished this piece, when he tweeted again. Now, the problems are, one, again, just tweeting out a hyperlink that's not considered to be republication. And two, it's not clear why the court thinks that being sued would make Liza pause and think, well, maybe my reporting was false. So being sued puts you on notice that you're being sued, that Nunez thinks it's defamatory. But it doesn't necessarily lead to the conclusion that Liza must have then known that there was potential falsity, that there was potentially false statements in his piece. Then the third and last problem is that When we gauge somebody's state of mind for defamation, we gauge it at the time of making the statement. So Lizza was not sued at the time he made the statement. So you don't kind of look later and say, oh, well, things, you know, facts change, circumstances change. So let's look at their state of mind later on. So those are basically the three big problems, I think, with the Eighth Circuit decision. And this is why the case is now being appealed and why Lizza and Hearst are saying, Eighth Circuit, we need an in banc review. We need the whole Eighth Circuit to review this case. And it's also why you have 35 news organizations, including organizations like Fox News, news organizations from all over the ideological spectrum, writing an amicus brief saying, reconsider this because they know this is a problematic ruling. All right. So other than Nunez or Lizza themselves, who stands to win or lose as a result of the possible outcome of this case? Are there wider implications here? Yeah, that's I mean, that's a great question. And it picks up on exactly what we were just talking about, which is this, 
you know, why are 35 diverse news organizations filing an amicus brief saying Eighth Circuit do something about this? And I think the answer is that at at the bottom, you know, the punchline here is that it could allow politicians, other public figures who have a thin skin, who want to file a defamation suit, really to use it as a sword and potentially chill the speech of reporters or maybe even take into its logical conclusion of other social media users. So if just linking to an article is republication, if being sued can change the state of mind that you need in order to potentially be liable for defamation, then that has implications for reporters and, again, other people who use social media if you just think of how you would logically extend that court's ruling. So there's so much other news, but we wanted to talk about this because I do think it's an important issue of freedom of speech, how much protection the media has, and potentially public figures trying to use defamation law to chill their critics. All right. So how far could this go? Is this the kind of thing that's destined to reach the Supreme Court eventually? You know, I don't know. So typically, when it comes to defamation law, as we said, it's uh, state-based. These don't typically bring up big constitutional questions. But of course, defamation law does bump up against the First Amendment and the freedom of speech. So we have to wait to see if the full Eighth Circuit actually takes this up. If they don't, Then what we have is the Eighth Circuit basically saying one thing about defamation law, and as far as I know, every other circuit saying something else. When do things go to the Supreme Court? One of the situations is when there is a circuit split. So potentially, but that is certainly a let's wait and see. All right, Jessica, thank you for bringing up and discussing a very important issue, and happy Halloween to you and yours. Joe, do you want to talk about for a minute how much you love Halloween? I can't take this moment away from you. Oh, Jessica, I love Halloween so very much. Let's just leave it at that. Come to my house sometime when it's safe to do so. We'll carve some pumpkins. We will hand out candy to the youth of America and uh, keep the dentists employed in November of every single year. So you can follow Jessica on Twitter and Instagram at Levinson Jessica. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Indepday. You can find our podcast, Passing Judgment, on Twitter at Pass Judgment Pod, and also on Instagram at Passing Judgment Pod. Thank you ever so much for listening, everyone. I hope you all have lovely and safe and delicious Halloweens. Be spooky. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>